0: Folks out there in Mixler Land, that's been lagging off last night and tonight, you, we uh, we miss you and uh, want you to come back. But take you a nap in the evening time before church, and it'll just energize you a whole lot more to get in here in these meetings. Well, it's wonderful to be here with you this evening. God bless all the children, and enjoyed what uh, Brother Steve and Sister Laura had to say and the puppets and, and everything that was uh, done. May God bless all the children that was present this evening. Good to see Brother Jonathan, Sister Stephanie come in tonight. And uh, I've, I've got something that I've been battling with um, all this evening to preach to you. And I pray the Lord will make sense out of it. And uh, I feel like it's a, it's a burden on my heart. Me and Brother Philip was talking this afternoon. And, uh, and, I, and I can feel this burden in my soul as well, Brother Philip. I read one time what the great preacher and writer Alan Redpath said years ago. Alan Redpath said, it is not the preacher's job to break the congregation. That's God's job. How many knows that that's God that does the breaking? Absolutely. If the preacher's doing the breaking, it ain't going to be broke up. And it really never really is broke up. But what it is, it'll, it'll be put back together pretty soon. But Alan Redpath says that it's, it's God's job to break someone. To break a congregation, but it's the preacher's job to try to cultivate that new soil. That's what revival really is, isn't it? It's breaking up that fallow ground and trying to cultivate that new soil for a great harvest. And so I want to try to say something tonight that would be beneficial. Now let me say this. We're going to go to the book of Psalms. We're going to read a, a chapter of scripture there in the book of Psalms. You have your Bibles. But I really sense in... In prayer that, uh, that if you don't get the help that you are in need of in this revival, I don't really know what the future is going to hold for you. Right. And, and I hate to be that honest with you and that blunt with you, but it's just the way that I feel that, uh, that, that there's those of you that's here, even in this building tonight. I'm glad to see every one of you. There's a lot of you that's been here every single night and God's going to reward you for your faithfulness. But I really feel like for those of you that are struggling in a spiritual sense, if you do not get the help that you need from God very shortly, I really don't know what the future holds for you. So you've got to get a hold of God now. How many knows that 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 God comes by in a moment of time? And whenever He speaks and asks you to move forward, that's the time to move forward, isn't it? Tonight... Book of, Psalms, Book of Psalms, the most famous chapter in all the Bible, Psalms chapter number 23. Billy Graham says that John 3.16 is the most quoted from Scripture in all the Bible. Of course, that's true, but the most quoted from chapter in all the Bible is Psalms chapter number 23. I'd like to try to draw a phrase out of this tonight and preach to you if the Lord will help me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, aren't those some of the most beautiful words you've ever listened to? We could take a text out of the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd then in, in verse number 2, he leadeth me, he maketh me. Verse 3, he restoreth me, he leadeth me. Verse number 4, he, he, he guides us through that valley of the shadow of death. And then we read on in, in verse number 5, he prepares a table before us. And, and then thou, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. And then in that 6th verse, it just puts the icing on the cake. Goodness and mercy. You can preach a whole message on goodness of God. The mercy of God. And then that faithfulness that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But tonight I want to preach from that fourth verse. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here it is. That's what I'm going to preach about tonight. Say these words with me. I will fear no evil. Let's say it again. I will fear no evil. Evil. That's what I want to talk to us about tonight I will fear no evil The Bible tells us in 1 uh, Peter chapter 5 In verse number 4 That Jesus is the chief shepherd In John chapter 10 He calls himself the great shepherd of the sheep In Hebrews 13 and 20 The inspired writer there calls him the great shepherd of the sheep In Psalms chapter 23, in the preceding and proceeding chapters, chapter 22 and chapter 23 and chapter 24, we see about this great shepherd of the sheep. In chapter number 22 is those prophetic words that is uttered there from David that Jesus would later repeat while he was on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In Psalms 22, we find the good shepherd in death. How many is glad this evening that the good shepherd that we have has died for the sheep? The thing that separates us from all other religions on the face of planet earth is that we do not die for our God. Our God died for us. We find in Psalms 22 the good shepherd in death. Then you flip over to Psalms chapter number 24. And we see those prophetic words there. Lift up your head, O ye gates be lifted up your everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in he comes back for the sheep in chapter number 24 he comes as our promised prophet he told the people of God's love written by covenant of blood now he is our current high priest who stands before the father pleading our case on a timely basis But in Psalms chapter 24, he shall break the nations one day with a rod of iron. ISIS has been broken by, I think, our current administration. But you talk about somebody that's going to make faster mincemeat than Donald Trump did out of ISIS. When Jesus rules with a rod of iron, brother, the nations of this world shall before him fall. He shall dash them with the rod of iron. He shall break them like a potter's vessel. He will lay aside his robe as our current high priest and will speak the two-edged sword from out of his mouth. Fire will leap from his eyes. His feet will be like brass. His thigh will have a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is coming back for the sheep In Psalm 22 he dies for the sheep In Psalms 24 he returns for the sheep But tonight I want to focus in on Psalms 23 About the one that lives for the sheep Now from this text we find and I'm going to break it down to these points tonight I want to talk to you about the shepherd I want to talk to you about the sermon I want to talk to you about the shadows And then fourthly, I want to talk to you about the Shirley's. We find here, the Lord is my shepherd. As an army waits for its general, so do we wait for our shepherd. As a traveler waits for the guiding, the guiding instruments of his compass, so do we as well wait for the guiding hand and the guiding words of our great shepherd. Where would we be at this evening had it not been for that great shepherd of the sheep? When men fail, the shepherd doesn't fail. When folks die off and they leave or they disappoint us and leave us in despair, the good shepherd never leaves us. But like Jesus would say, he leaves the ninety and nine and goes after the one that's went astray. The Lord is. It's present tense, isn't it? It's present tense in a day of feuding, in a day of rioting. And let me say this as well tonight. Just throw this in here for free. Fifty some odd years ago, nearly 60 years ago, Lyndon Baines Johnson came out with his great society. And I think what we find on the streets in that six block radius of Seattle, Washington is Lyndon B. Johnson's not-so-great society. I think that that enabled people to live off the government, take advantage, get get gained by ill-gotten means, and, and, and let all the other taxpayers pay their bills. And we have enabled a group of people that have a mentality that we owe them everything. Brother, that is not... Such a great society. But in the midst of rioting, in the midst of federal interstate systems where trucks pass on a daily basis at 70 and 80 miles an hour as federal highways are shut down, the Lord still is. The Lord still is. He always was. He always shall be. But even right here tonight, the Lord still
1: is.
0: David says, the Lord is my shepherd. David knew something about shepherds, didn't he? He himself, being a shepherd, would know a lot about shepherds. And he likens his Lord, the one whom his soul loves, to the Lord is my shepherd. How about you tonight? Can you say the Lord is your shepherd? It's not just enough for the Lord to be just the shepherd of the church. Or just the shepherd of the rich lands tabernacle. But it's got to get on a personal basis. Can you say the Lord is my shepherd? My shepherd. He is the one that consoles me. He's the one that feeds me. He's the one that strengthens me. It's possession. I am in him and he is in me. We find here the shepherd and then notice secondly notice secondly the sermon. The sermon that David preaches about himself. The sermon is he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What is David doing there? David is preaching a sermon about himself and his relationship with God. I believe everybody ought to be a preacher. Y'all still here tonight? Now don't fall out with me, Brother John. If you don't believe in women preachers, that's your business, all right? But I believe everybody ought to be a preacher to some extent. I believe everybody ought to have a testimony. I believe everybody ought to be able, at the drop of a hat, when you're asked to say something, give them a sermon. A short-winded sermon, that is. Tell them about how the Lord led you beside still waters. Tell them about how God restored your soul. Tell them about how God gave you peace in green pastures. I'll never forget one time, and I've used this several times over, old preacher R.W. Shambach years ago. A woman came to Shambach one day, and she, uh, she was talking about Shambach singing. Schambach necessarily wasn't necessarily the greatest singer in the world, but uh, he was singing at a, one of his tent meetings. This woman Woman said, uh, Shambok, you know what you sound like when you sing? She said, You sound like an old crow. He said, Lady, I'm just glad I got something to crow about. I got something to crow about tonight. I've got something to sing about tonight. I've got something to preach about tonight. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. He guides me. He restores me. He picks me up when I'm down. He's my joy when I'm in sorrow. He's the lifter up of my head. I've got something to give you a sermon about. The Lord is. He's my sermon, He's my shepherd that leads me to my text verse tonight. Look at verse number 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here's the phrase I want to preach about tonight. I will fear no evil. Fear is a terrible thing, isn't it? Fear, fear is, a, is a, it's a terrible feeling. You remember whenever Paul was riding from his dungeon cell in his prison to young Timothy. He sensed something in Timothy's heart and in his life. And he would write those words, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Timothy, fear does not have a mailbox that you can put postcards in. Timothy, fear does not have an address where you can send a subpoena to court and try to get rid of him. It's not like that, Timothy. It's a spirit that gets a hold of you. And it controls you. Now, I want to elaborate on this tonight and... God would help me because I really sense in prayer this afternoon that, that there would be those here in this building that's battling this fear of evil. Fear is not necessarily a bad thing if it drives us to do something good. A good sense of fear is necessary for a right relationship with God. A good sense of the fear of God will change the way that we treat others and look at ourselves. Fear of God keeps us from being dishonest. It's not a bad thing to have the right kind of fear, is it? The fear of the Lord is linked very closely to the truth. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's, and it's, and it's the right kind of fear that we must possess. But then flip the coin, look at the other side of fear. Fear can become that thing... That paralyzes you and your spiritual condition. Now let me take out the shovel and begin to cultivate just a little bit more here. Because I need to dig a little bit deeper into this tonight. Fear has torment, doesn't it? That's what the book says. Fear has a way of controlling us. Listen, listen, to, uh, listen to, what, to what fear really is. Fear is anxiety. Fear has all these different adjectives and all these different ways that it manifests itself. You know, sometimes fear manifests itself as a contentious spirit. When you can't get along with anybody, sometimes you trace the root down right to the core and you'll find there's a spirit of fear there in some way or form. Fear has a way of making us becoming afraid to live. There are some people that are afraid to even live during all this pandemic. And you'd be, you'd be driving down the road. I was, I was down in South Georgia and uh, Brother Jonathan a few months ago and all this stuff hit. And, uh, of course, everyone was wearing masks and things like that. And, and uh, me and my buddy Tommy Guthrie was driving down the road and we pulled up at a stoplight. And there was one, one, one woman sitting there in her car and there was nobody else in the vehicle and she was wearing a mask. Joe Biden was 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 buried in his basement for a couple months and would get on national television wearing a mask. Brother and sisters, let me throw this in here for good measure. If you're gonna get the coronavirus from breathing your own oxygen, we've got serious problems. Old sleepy Joe, God loving. Fear has a way. Of causing you. To not move on. In life. I know I'm preaching a little bit different tonight. But I want you to bear with me. Fear. Can cause you to. Hate being around people. Because. It's not necessarily. And it manifests itself. As being contentious. Or being at odds with your neighbor. But really at the heart of the. Matter, It's that fear of being rejected Boy that's a a bad sense of fear isn't it That fear of being rejected Where you try and you fail When you've been kicked to the curb There's a fear of rejection there Let me key in on this word here Anxiety There was a physician that wrote these words And these comments about anxiety And this makes total sense to me And I hope it makes sense to you tonight He states that at first glance there seems to be little connection between the physical act of strangling and the mental process of worrying. However, the word worry is derived from an old German word, worgen, which means to choke. Somehow the term evolved into the word worry, and worry means mental strangulation. And that's the reason you can't have revival. Y'all still here this evening. And that's the reason you can't get over some things. Is because you have been carried away by this spirit of fear. And by this worrying mentality. And by this anxiousness. That is choking the life right out of your body. Have you ever met people... That went to an early grave. And you know they went to an early grave. Because they worried themselves to death. It's a terrible thing to be captivated. To, be, to have the life choked out of your being. Because your nerves are on edge all the time. You're always at a breaking point. You're always so anxious, it steals sleep. It takes, it takes rest from your body. Anxiousness will drive you to the grave, brother. It only will it drive you to the grave. It chokes the life out of you. Gets a hold of you in such a way. I, I read one time where the Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin lived in so much fear of being assassinated That every night whenever he walked into his high up palace. That he went through three doors that opened up into eight separate bedrooms. Because Stalin was so afraid. That someone would come through the night in his sleep. And would know where he was sleeping at and assassinate him. The story of Stalin goes a little bit further. His life could have been spared. His life could have been spared, but because he was the only one that had the lock, the key to lock the doors to all of those bedrooms that he would have at his disposal to choose which one to sleep in. He died inside of one of those rooms, locked away, and could have been saved by just one simple injection. And I've got to ask you the question tonight. Are you going to die back there? Are you going to let fear take hold of you so much that all you need is one simple injection, infusion of the power of the Holy Ghost? And we've been feeling, I feel the Lord helping me. All you need is one trip back to the altar All you need is to say, God, I can, but you can one more time. But instead, you hold the key and you've locked yourself in a chamber of darkness and death and you're hiding behind a sense of worry and anxiety, but God's here to deliver you. Listen listen to some more of this about anxiety. I'm on my third point right here: the shadows, the shadows of life, the things that control us, the things that we have to walk underneath of, the valleys that our feet have to trudge through. It's the shadows that get to us. It's the fear that comes upon us. And it's the anxiety. That stops us from having a move of God. Why is worrying wrong? The reason that worrying or anxiety is wrong. Number one. Is because anxiety highlights the human viewpoint. And it strangles God's viewpoint. The attention is always turned inward. Instead of. Number two, anxiety chokes our ability to make rational decisions, to determine. This is good now. Listen very closely. It chokes out our ability to determine and make a rational decision and to determine what is essential and what is incidental. And there's a big difference between those two. I love... The work of the ministry. I love. I love being back there in that office for four and five hours a day. I've enjoyed it. These last couple weeks I've been here. I loved every minute of it. And I find myself so many times. You know I love listening to Rush Limbaugh from 12 to 3 every day. But I ain't listened to Rush too much in the last several, several days. It's incidental what's going on here is much more essential it's good to make sure that that the building's cleaned and the and and all these facilities that you folks have here are kept up in nice working order but that's just incidental getting a hold of God is much more essential I, it's great to take a vacation It's great to But it worries me whenever We take vacations every weekend You're mad you're, Okay It worries me That when you call out for revival And you're having a move of God and you watch some of them shout on Sunday night. And I hope you're tuning in Mixler. Because I'm pointing the gun right at you. You watch them shout on Sunday night. But they don't darken the door on Monday or Tuesday. And think where would the revival go? Where would my joy go? What happened here? I tell you. This is essential. All you folks that's here in the building tonight ought to shout amen essential but when anxiety gets a hold of you, you care more about little incidental things little trivial things things that absolutely don't matter a hill of beans whatsoever, listen this church needs revival this place needs a renewing We need a revisitation of what you had 60 and 70 years ago. We need it to happen now. It is essential. I said it's essential that somebody gets saved. It's essential that somebody gets filled with the Holy Ghost. It's essential that we have a move of God. Anxiety clouds our ability to make determinations as to what's essential and what is incidental. Here's another one. Anxiety makes us judgmental of everyone else. Oh, somebody's getting paid tonight. Judgmental of everyone else. It's everyone else's fault why I can't have revival. It's everyone else's fault why I can't press into the services. It's everyone else's fault. They, they, they Listen, sometimes we need to have a checkup from the neck up, look in the mirror, and see it's that person's fault. It's that person's fault. Listen, folks, you can't be judgmental of others. I tell you, you can't be judgmental of others unless you get, you've got to get a hold of God for yourself. You've got to have revival for yourself. This fear's paralyzed you and you're going to die because of it. Judgmental of everything else. Able to see a little tiny glitch in everyone else's eye. Whenever there's a beam sticking out of your own eye. And like that assembly preacher preached years ago, David was able to observe all the other sins in Israel except his own. Have you fallen into that? Living in fear, living in anxiety, and seeing everyone else's problems except your own? Anxiety makes us judgmental of others. And I... Would you give me five minutes to wind this down? Give me five minutes to wind this down. I, I, I might take seven, just to be honest. I might take seven. Anxiety produces a lack of patience. And where there's a lack of patience, there is no productive and fruitful spiritual life. I don't care if you sit around and listen to forty sermons a day. Where's the fruit at? I don't care if you if, if you've been coming to this church since the time you was born, where's the fruit at? Where's the fruit at? I tell you why. I tell you why we're not seeing the fruit in our churches like we need to see. And you're not seeing the the spiritual fruit in your life like you're needing to see. It's because there is a spirit of fear. We're having to live in the shadows of this world. And we clam up in our own little world and our own little small way of thinking and you go into a survivalist mentality that ain't never God's intention for His church and that ain't God's intention for you. God's made you to be the head and not the tail. God's made you to be an overcomer. And God's made you to stand up in the face of fear and say, I will fear no evil. No evil cannot befall me. No evil cannot ensnare me. No evil cannot entrap me. I will fear no No evil. I'll fear no evil. I'll fear no evil in the shadows. Now, there's a lot more I could preach out here in this text tonight, but here we are in the shadows dwelling in the shadow of riots and looting and Lyndon B. Johnson's not so great society and absolute anarchy and the coronavirus that's shutting down meetings and shutting down youth camps and I understand all that I'm not ignorant but listen folks if we're not careful we will cower down in fear in these shadows but if you can somehow shout your way through the valley and shout your way through the shadows you can stand up on your feet and say I will fear no evil I will fear no evil I will not fear what man can do unto me because thou art with me There's deliverance for someone in this building tonight. Lift your hands all over the house. They're here. You're here in this building. It's Tuesday night, it's kids' night, puppets. Games, fun time, attitude checks, I get all that. But you're here in this building, and this is the essential part right here. I said this is the essential part right here. This is why I've stayed over for another week and a half. Because this is the essential part right here. You have been living in a state of fear for too long. You've been walking through this valley of the shadow of death for too long. I've come to tell you there is deliverance from the spirit of fear. I said there is deliverance from the spirit of fear. And if you leave this building tonight still entrapped, still imprisoned, you'll do so by your own accord. Because I'm telling you, I heard a voice from heaven say, Be strong and of good courage. I will fear no evil. And if you can make it through the shadows. Yeah. Yeah. If you can make it through the shadows. You know what's on the other side of the shadows is the Shirley's.
2: If yeah. you heard not your name Shirley, God
0: bless you. I know we got one sister Shirley back here. Yeah. It's a different type of Shirley I'm talking about. On the other side of the shadows is the Shirley's. Sure. Goodness and mercy. Somebody say goodness and mercy. Somebody say goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Hallelujah. Don't stay defeated another day. Stand up on your feet and shout in the mouth of hell,
1: I will fear no evil.
0: The rest of you need to stand right now. Come on, church. Let's shout it together. I will fear no evil. I'll fear no evil. On the other side of these shadows... There's Shirley's. Goodness and mercy. I couldn't see it when I was walking back there through that valley, Brother Steve. I couldn't see him because that valley of the shadow of death was dark, Brother Roger. But goodness and mercy was back there following me the whole time that I was walking through. And I'm telling you, if you can take another step, if you can walk a little bit further, and when the sun shines on the other side of that valley, you'll look back and say... I made it through the shadows. And the Shirley's followed me the whole way. Come on, Brother Randall. We're going to fix the pray here in just a minute. Now anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Here's the point tonight. Here's the point tonight. You're here in this building, and this is the essential thing. If you leave this building with the gripes, if you leave this building mumbling and complaining more you're going to do so of your own accord and you're going to dry up on the vine you're going to die let me say it again you're going to die I'm not saying you're going to be buried in a coffin in the next six months but I'm going to tell you you're going to die a spiritual death that you might never get out of you are in a spiritual coma state you are in a comatose state you become numb to the things of God this valley of the shadow of death lasted for too long and I feel the Holy Ghost helping me right here. I feel him in this house tonight, Brother Keith. My God, my God, help us tonight. You can be delivered from this spirit of fear and you can leave here saying, I will fear. I will fear. No evil. No evil. If you can trust God With the next breath, you can trust God with your future. As they begin to play, they begin to sing. We're going to pray. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. Come out of there right now. Come on right now. Come on right now. In the name of Jesus, there's deliverance for you right now. That's it, Brother Mike. Come on. Fear no cancer. Fear no evil. Come on, church. We're going to pray right now. There's deliverance for somebody in this house. Don't leave the building without it. In the name of Jesus.
1: Don't say you get me down, down, down. Why should think I sit here till yeah. yeah. I just a little bit higher. I'm on nice. oh, oh, on the one, I'm smiling with my love. Just pure, a good report. and do say you get me down, down, down. down, down. down.
2: Why die? just a little bit higher. I'm the one, I'm with my love travel to that city. It won't always be on the mountaintop. But the battle that we must face, the Lord's going to give us grace. To make a trip back up the hill where the sun shines right my hands hand and pray, Oh, day to get me Take
1: down, way, down. I'll watch your eyes fill till I die. Let me wait moving higher the I've been smiling with my lord. Oh lord, walk right out and smiling in my head. head, head Thank the to get me down, down. I'll watch your eyes fill you 'til I die. Let me wait moving higher than the wall. I've been smiling
2: with my lord. Cry him. Devil took his children, on, and everything Howard with straight from Lifting his head up hard, and on valley, right praise God for the whole lot more. I'm walk
1: right out this valley, my and praise the Lord. Oh say not even me in down. 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 Why should I sit here I die the weight shows I, I go 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 to walk out going to walk right? down Why should I sit here I die the my
2: nose we must travel to that city It won't always be on the mountain top The battle that we must face The Lord's gonna give us grace To make the trip back up here Where the sun shines But well, I'm gonna
1: walk right out of this valley In my hands and praise the Lord I ain't going oh, to get me Standing out and I'm watching I sit here till I die Heaven awakes just a little bit. I'm going to walk this valley with my Well, I'm going to walk right out of this valley in my head. praise down should I sit here till I die? weight, just a little bit higher. I'm going to walk out of this valley with my Well, I'm going right so go right to walk right out of this valley in my hands well, go hand. praise oh, the so Lord. But Oh, again, me, c- gonna again, down me, down, down, why I should I sit I die? Everywhere, just I oh, I'm going go to walk right out this my head to oh. praise the Lord. I ain't no Oh, me, down, down, why should I sit I I go to walk. He said he can't
2: be so down, be down, down. Why should I sit in the night down Every weight just lifted higher I'm gonna walk High <laughs> this valley with my Lord. When the Lord let down the hedge Old oh, Joe to triumph The devil took his children And everything that he owed I didn't sit there crying, Lifting his head up higher Came out of that valley Praise God with a whole arm cold When I'm gonna walk right
1: i going to just i my Well, I'm going to walk right now.